pediatric junkies. Welcome to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. My name is Josie Kautsky, and with the help of my co-host, Natalie Miller, today we want to explore the world of pediatric advocacy. To answer all of our new grad questions, we went straight to the top of pediatric therapy. First, we have Maria Jones. Maria is the current Federal Affairs Liaison for the Academy of Pediatric Physical Therapy. She began advocacy early in her career when she noticed policies were shaping how we practice pediatric therapy and didn't necessarily agree with where they were pushing our profession. Next, we have Mary Jane Rappert, who is our previous Federal Affairs Liaison and is now the Academy's Chief Delegate for the House of Delegates. Mary Jane has elevated her education multiple times, first with a Master's in Interdisciplinary Special Education and then went on to pursue a PhD in Special Education and Education Administration, where she took a special focus on law and policy for children with disabilities in educational environments. Sherry York will also be joining us in the discussion. She began her formal advocacy roles as a legislative chair for the Alabama chapter of the APTA. From her state chapter, her involvement has only grown and she's now the president of the International Organization of Physical Therapists and Pediatrics. Speaking of presidents, we couldn't help but include our very own president of the Academy of Pediatrics, Cindy Miles. Cindy also started her advocacy career early, advocating for IDEA and direct access along with our other three inspiring guests. If you want to hear them explain their advocacy story, check out our special 15-minute Get to Know the Guests episode. So let's dive right into it. So it sounds like everyone here has a firm grasp on advocacy and policy. As students and new professionals, do you recommend working for a few years in order to gain some experiential knowledge before we dip our toes in the water of advocacy, or do you think there's a place for us to become involved right now? Oh, I would say there's many opportunities for you to be involved from, as you said, dipping your toe all the way up to full-blown, like you're all in. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, and I, I could probably talk about those for a while, but there, there are absolutely many ways to um, start both practicing your advocacy and learning more. Um, for me, it started as my career advanced, mostly because I, that passion wasn't yet ignited in me. So I think that whenever that comes to you as a as something that you have interest in. Um, I think there are many, many ways to pursue that and you should never wait. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) That's what we like to hear. I mean, that's kind of the point of this podcast as our goal is to be reaching students and new professionals. You know, where, where can we help out? Where can we step in? Where do we need to step up and make our voices heard? Because sometimes you're just trying to get your feet on the ground in the clinic and know how that runs, let alone, you know, what are the issues that are affecting our patients? But the more passionate that we are about our field, I feel like it almost comes naturally to help out in all of these other areas. Yes. And I can tell you that those legislators really want to talk to the students or the new grads because whatever they decide to do with a bill or anything we're trying to push forward is is going to affect those entering the field now uh, for the longest, you know, yep. as, a, as opposed to those of us who are older, been around for a while, and they're like, here you come again. <laughs> um, so um, we, we really do need to balance that out some. And, you know, I was with one of the very experienced orthopedic private practice PTs who was able to 
to verbalize everything so well um, and actually turn some turn some decisions. Um, but then as we as we talked in the hall, it was really spending a lot of time with the students and the new grads just to say, how did you have the nerve to say that? And you're like, have you actually talked to these people? Because, you know, they're really good old boys and they want to impress you and make you feel important while you're here, you know? <laughs> and some of them are busy running off to meetings and they kind of cut you short. But others, you know, they're counting on your vote if you're from their hometown or county. So they're kind of trying to be nice to you too. Absolutely. And that's a really good point. Um, I mean, their job kind of depends on what we think of them as the voters. So you should go into the meeting thinking that, I mean, you have something to kind of level the playing field there. Right. Especially when it's, you know, where you're from, they'd rather know you're from their county or their city, you know, so that you could potentially vote for them. Right. But when you represent national group of pediatrics or international then you're trying to make the point that, you know, look, I'm here to represent this many members or across the country, across the state or, you know, different countries uh, for the World Confederation of Physical Therapy. And, you know, you just need a balance of both. And I just assure no matter whether you're, you know, 52 and it's your first time to try to talk to someone or you're just graduated from PT school, you know, everybody's a little nervous at first, but people are still people and they'll listen. Absolutely. But there's, you know, there's advocacy with the physicians or the school system that your patients are trying to get more information or get an appointment or get, get better services. So there's, there's different levels of advocacy as well. You want to know people and, you know, just be just be yourself and ask questions or 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 be able to share your message so that someone who may have a connection or can make a difference in a child's life or a situation may come back and be your best friend and get you more involved yeah absolutely so i mean especially even with your legislators i know you know i you may be going in to tell them all of these things but it's also important to get to know them and see you know they might know a kid who is affected by these policies or have Mm -hmm. a family member who would benefit. So definitely don't just go in with your own agenda. You have to know who you're talking to. Right. And I, you know, again, I encourage the APTA has Hill visits every year at the legislative um, conference that they, they hold, but the years that we are actually in DC for one of the conferences that's a great opportunity to go as well, you know, get, have two reasons to be in DC, but uh, that that's when you really, you really see where the power is and that these guys, if they actually are in their office, you get to talk to the Senator or the representative. Often you're talking to their staff though, and they actually will spend more time and make sure they understand it better. And you'll eventually get a thank you note or something from the official guys. But, um, that's a great way to learn as well. And APTA does a great job of kind of orienting you to how you present 
the information, but also how you just even walk into an office. And like you said, you don't just jump on, please vote for this because I'm here. You know, it's, it's more like, let's have a conversation. What are your concerns? And sometimes they're not going to agree with you, but if you can have an actual conversation, you're more likely to have them listen to the issue and eventually maybe make a, a difference or come up with an idea that can work. Do you think that it's acceptable to ask somebody, hey, I know you go and talk to your legislator. Can I come and sit in and join you just so I can kind of find out more? Totally. And I think state chapters, you know, of APTA are doing this sort of work as well. So asking, you know, is there a legislative chairman or is there any activity I would like to go, but I'd like to go with someone? Certainly, you're, you're better to go along and be the young, cute one, you know, that <laughs> that is there, but know enough to answer a question or ask a question so you don't just feel like you're over in the corner while they talk. Absolutely. So we talked a little about going and um, speaking with our representatives and how sometimes that can feel intimidating, especially for um, a student or a new professional. What do you think are some of the best ways for someone who's new to advocacy to go and do this? So I think that, you know, certainly um, your legislators are definitely a place to start. I mean, I know I said that everything isn't political, but, you know, absolutely, if you are um, concerned about an issue with Medicaid, that is a state issue. And you can begin at your own state capital and with state legislators. The APTA has an inordinate number of resources that are available on the APTA website. Um, and Maria certainly pointed out already the, the, um, the public policy agenda, which I think is um, a great place to fami- start with familiarizing yourself. But on the APTA website, you can get connected into lots of wonderful information, as well as um, getting emails that will trigger you or tickle you to um, contact your various legislators. You can be signed up for um, the, the advocacy team emails and you don't even have, I mean, you barely have to do any work to send a letter off to, to the appropriate federal or state legislature legislator. Um, But not beyond that, I think that, Um, just becoming more aware of your profession as a whole, going to conferences like the um, APTAC conference is, as Cindy mentioned earlier, um, an annual conference. It is by pediatric physical therapists about pediatric physical therapy and certainly touches on a number of um, topics and um, provides both resources as well as knowledge that can move your advocacy efforts forward. You also will meet a lot of great colleagues that can that you can talk with and work with and get ideas and share ideas with. Um, all of that is what builds advocacy. So I don't think it comes from one particular place um, or action. It is, um, I think, kind of as how we started this conversation is it becomes much about you and how you just want to make change, create change, um, and not just let things go by that you know should be addressed somehow.
as Mary Jane has said too, it's not always about legislation. I think sometimes you have to step back and say, what network are you in? You may need to be advocating within your network. Like I, I hear from across the country, we're only allowed 30 minute visits or 45 minute visits. And you may need to be advocating, like what is the dosing? And that dosing should be coming from the therapist and not being driven by your referral sources are being driven by your, your administrators because they feel that that's the, the best way. You might not win, but you have to think about advocating within for the family and the children that you're seeing as well. Um, and some simple, I mean, Mary Jane does a wonderful summary of the House of Delegates and the milestones that she sends out. And also she does a great summary at the town hall that we have at Aptech. And if you have the opportunity, just attending the APTA Federal Advocacy and also the State Policy and Payment Forum, I know that that's a travel for some students and, and, and there's money involved in it. But those are also wonderful resources, as Mary Jane, we have them all on the website, but also attending that particular conference. Those two conferences are, are a great opportunity as well if you have the availability. Absolutely. So we talked about it goes all the way from networking to talking to your legislators to attending a conference. What do you think are the best resources that you would recommend for students getting interested in pediatric advocacy efforts? I, I'm going to jump in here. This is Maria. And I do think, um, you know, APTA does have some grassroots advocacy uh, resources on their um, on, on the website. Um, I think those will continue to grow. I know a huge part of the current um strategic plan for um, the academy is all around advocacy and making sure we get resources in the hands of everybody, um, not only pediatric physical therapists, students, but as well as families and those that we serve so that they will have the tools that they need to advocate. Um, so I think you'll be seeing lots of things roll out over the next couple of years. Uh, specifically related. Hopefully some of those will be in conjunction with APTA, but we may have um, additional resources that come directly from um, the Academy as well. I want to kind of piggyback on both what Mary Jane and, and Cindy said. It really is all about relationships um, and being able to put, for people to be able to put a face with a name so that when something related to pediatrics comes up or pediatric physical therapy comes up, your legislator, your administrator, whoever it is knows this is the go-to person and they have your name. They think about you um, as it relates to that. So um, I think the more you can be visible, the more you can talk about that you're, um, I know we've all experienced, you say you're a physical therapist and you hear about, um, you know, all the ailments with somebody's shoulder or problems that a person <laughs> has. And I always use those opportunities to say, well, yeah, that's great. I'm not probably the person you want to see for that because I'm a pediatric therapist. And then go into my spiel about why that's different, how there's some similarities. Um, but really just talking about what we do as pediatric therapists and, and what's different about it. Um, so it's just, again, making sure you have that, that elevator speech, if you will, or if you have two minutes of time, what are you, you, know, what are you going to tell people about what you do? Um, so it's just planting those seeds. Um, the thing I will say about legislators, as you get to know, is you want to make sure um, that they don't always, the only time they hear um, from you is when you need something. Um, they need to hear about you, you know, if they support something that you're interested in um, that's related to our profession. Make sure to send a thank you about, you know, I saw you signed on to this. Um, and again, the, the, the resources that are available on the APTA website can show you what they've co-sponsored, 
as part of my role in the federal affairs uh, for the academy, I tried to send put out regular updates on um, the website uh, that people can access and look and see kind of what's what's going on. Um, and there's some links to how you can follow bills throughout that have been proposed, where they are. You can look at voting records, all sorts of things. Um, so all of that is available um, either on, uh, in, in this case, on the pediatric website. And we will link kind of the um, page that lists all of these things for our listeners. So you don't have to hurry and write them down now. You can just click on the link after you're done listening to this episode. When we discuss pediatric advocacy, there are so many topics, but the first one that comes to my mind is Medicaid. As a student, I always heard about how poor reimbursement was, and now as a new professional, honestly, I'm seeing it affect my patients. Can you elaborate a little on the current issues with Medicaid and then maybe bring up some other topics for our listeners that they should be aware of? Yeah, and I, I'll start out, I will talk about Medicaid, but I, I first off, I want to identify that APTA actually has come out with a public policy goal and agenda um, that would be good for everybody to know about and, and view and, and look at it um, through the lens of, as a pediatric therapist, what does it mean? Uh, part of it really does have, and when you talk about Medicaid or payment reimbursement, regardless of the payer source, it really has to do with access to services and equipment that that children might have. Um, so I, you know, that's really what it's, it's, it's making sure that policies are there and that we're eliminating barriers to um, health care or other services that are available. So, and I think Medicaid gets, gets lumped in there. Um, about that and certainly um, is a huge part of what we do because many of the children that we serve fall under that Medicaid umbrella. Um, although Medicaid is just one payer source. So there's many other payer sources that we work with. And um, again, that's, that's how children get access to the services that we provide. Right. And then just for the students, because I didn't really understand this when I was a student, can you elaborate on why so many of the children that we treat fall under the umbrella of using Medicaid, even though they may have families who, you know, have their own health insurance, yet they still are using Medicaid for their child that has um, other needs? Yeah, uh, well, ooh, that's, that could be a whole um, <laughs> podcast in and of itself. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yes. Medicaid. Yeah, so I'll try to I'll try to get it in this short snippet. So Medicaid <laughs> is a health insurance program for families and, and children of families of low income, and mm -hmm. the, the established rate is set by the federal government. It's a federal state match program, and what that means is based on how I'm going to say wealthy or poor your state is. The federal government pays in more or less based on the per capita income in each state. There are other things that are connected to Medicaid called Medicaid waiver programs. And what that allows is people that have private insurance um, that may have some limitations, but, um, you know, parents just make just enough money to get them covered by insurance. But still, there's a lot of things that aren't covered. They may qualify for one of those Medicaid waiver programs. Um, and so in those cases, um, it's kind of a secondary insurance, if you will, um, mm -hmm. that provides certain protections for those families. Just to throw a little bit of a wrench into that, each state sometimes looks at that oh, differently. Absolutely. And here in Pennsylvania, and there's a few other a handful, but we're one of the main ones. They actually, every child qualifies for Medicaid based on a diagnosis, not on income. So we can have families making six figures and they're, they're, gonna, they're qualifying for Medicaid based on the child's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. 
And that just has to be uh, shown on a yearly basis through the physician that they still continue to qualify with that diagnosis and they'll continue to get Medicaid throughout. In addition, and it works as a secondary insurance, as Maria said, it's always the payer of last mm-hmm. resort. Right. Well, thank you for explaining that because I know it's kind of a complicated topic. So Mary Jane, what do you sure. think are the current issues? So um, again, there are many for good or bad that I think that's the reality. Um, a few that obviously are um, very relevant for me have to do with the delivery of services under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and under other federal laws, such as Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act um, and the ADA related to children with disabilities, both in early intervention and school-based programs. So um, most of those issues are around the limited funding that is available for the complex and um, complicated structure of service delivery that is expected um, and is allowed under those federal laws for children who are eligible, but for, for which there is very little funding support. And that creates a lot of very challenging issues for, for service delivery. You can then sort of dial down on that even further Um, For example, to children with autism, just as one example, that's a a growing diagnosis with many children who need many services, and there just really isn't um, the infrastructure nor the funding to support um, what those children need. And then you can drill down on that even further and think about areas like specifically like assistive technology services. Um, But then I think that there is also another entire realm of Um, issues, current issues in pediatric advocacy that are um, much more in line um, with the uh, APTA at the present, looking at at ourselves as a bit more of an outward-facing organization and with our roles not only in delivery of physical therapy services, but as um, related to public health and to the health and well-being of all people in this country. Um, We can look at immunizations as another very large area where there is definitely need for advocacy. And then the final one I want to mention is um, just general health care related to obesity and the battle that we are very much fighting um, across the country, but but probably losing um, day by day. So I think that those are all Um, issues that we face as pediatric physical therapists. I don't know a single pediatric therapist in any environment that does not touch one of those issues, probably in their daily practice. Absolutely. And I know a lot of those were discussed at House of Delegates, which happens right before next, in case our listeners didn't know, where all of our delegates get together and discuss kind of the main issues at the forefront of the APTA's um, list of policies. So they have delegates from each state as well as all of the academies and sections. Do you think that what happened at House of Delegates as far as what everybody voted on and how the APTA is going forward was aligning with the Academy of Pediatrics desires for where policy was going? Um, I would say yes, that as just the APTA, um, the bigger umbrella, um, you know, we have seen over the past couple of years, and particularly under, um, since Sharon Dunn has been president, 
a real shift, um, which I view as being very positive and favorable in, um, in how we represent ourselves and what we can offer to healthcare generally and how we need to be more aware um, and advocate on behalf of some of these larger scale public health issues. Um, as an Academy of Pediatric Physical Therapy, I think that we take our, some of our direction, not all, but some of our direction from the APTA. And I think that um, many of our members now are also very involved in some of these public health initiatives and appreciate the impact, for example, uh, of um, immunization or lack of immunization on children in a variety of different settings. So I think that what is going on now in APTA very much does align with the APPT. Within the APPT though, we do have some of those other issues, like I mentioned earlier, um, around children with disabilities in schools specifically that may not be necessarily um, at the forefront of what our larger membership in APTA is thinking, but are in fact probably most relevant or more relevant to us as an academy. Right. Cindy, do you have anything to elaborate on on this topic of the current issues that we're facing? I think Mary Jane has done a great job of summing up what, what our priorities are and the alignment with APTA. One thing, though, I just I hate to go back to Medicaid because there's such a I would really like to see us um, campaign with APTA to think about getting a more standardized approach. I know it's all state related, even though it's federally funded mm -hmm. or fund federally backed but, and state backed. It's so, it's a, we're such a global society and it's very difficult when our families move from a state such as ours where they're going to have, have Medicaid available to them and they move even to New York and New Jersey and it's totally different. Same thing with therapists move, just being able to understand what services they're allowed to have for the families. And the same thing with early intervention. We're actually now working with APTA in the Division of Early Childhood and the Council for Exceptional Children to look at one of the things that Mary Jane was talking about, coming up with a set of principles of evidence-based practice services for children, at least up to eight years of age. We're working with AOTA and ASHA on that. So I think that that's a priority, as Mary Jane says, for us, and then certainly beyond that, many other issues within the school and for early intervention. But it, I think at least like to see some type of a position statement as a whole uh, throughout our association and the others, especially for our families. And I totally agree with Mary Jane about the health and wellness. And I think one way that we can help to be proactive with that is to advocate within our networks of systems that we provide services in for us to be there from the beginning when a child is born, probably even prior to a child being born, collaborating perhaps with women's health to be there um, prior to for prevention and then actually helping to predict, especially the, the problems that we're having with health and wellness and obesity. And if we could do an annual checkup on every child throughout their lifespan, I think that we would tend to see a decrease in some of the comorbidities that our children are experiencing within our society if we, if we can be a part of the healthcare from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think that on an international level, there are other policies that we should be advocating for as well? Um, the, you know, the only one I've had exposure to really with kind of like medical homes in natural mm -hmm. settings where people and families are. And I was only on a couple of those conference calls, so I don't know how far they were going, but I still get the emails that show conferences that are being put together in different countries. So I really think maybe 
as far as people being interested in trying to be involved or having an impact. If you're a member of the Academy of Pediatric PT, you're automatically a member of IOPTP. You have the opportunity to, you know, look at the website or get involved or just, you know, contact me um, as far as letting you know that you have individual needs or interest and you're willing to share information or you have questions, then we have several committees. So there are ways to be involved just with the organization first and then say what your passion is or your issue and what's going on. Because we have at least 27 different countries represented who are members of the organization at this point, if there's travel, a lot of people are very involved in going to different countries to do mission type work, mm-hmm. you know, in, with physical therapy, this group often with children. So there are ways to get involved. And then when you go somewhere that has a real need for our services, you are actually advocating because you're representing what physical therapists can provide and how you can use networking to try to have more people available to help in those areas. So that's kind of a twist on it. That's kind of like a service. And yet there's advocacy just naturally within that role. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I hear people ask about more is how can they be involved and, you know, can they get a free trip to Europe or whatever? (laughs) Somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) well we will be sure to link the website just so people have easy access and can go check it out for themselves and Mm -hmm. as somebody who has done a service trip I went down to Guatemala with my school actually and you're so right it seems that probably half of the patients that we saw were um, pediatric patients that needed to be seen and we saw them in their homes and they really are in rural areas where they're waiting for these mission trips to go through and we're the only PTs that they're seeing. And so it does seem like it's needed, but also that I'm, I don't know, is there a way that we need to be advocating for almost like more or better trained physical therapists in those regions where they're so dependent on us to go in on mission trips? Do you think? I think that's one way to look at it. And, and I don't know, where you would start with that because you would need to know is there even a school close by Mm -hmm. or is there a community or agency who would be the one funding the hiring of of a physical therapist who could live in that area I have a friend who um, works at children's hospital here had had gone um, out as a missionary in Uganda for five years and then came back and has come back to children's But during that time, there were huge geographical areas in different parts of Africa that had no physical therapist at all. Right. It's kind of like planting someone and supporting Mm -hmm. them in some way because the funding is nothing like here for salaries. I mean, it's something crazy ridiculous, like $500 a year or something, the equivalent. But (laughs) it's just such a different world. So I think you make a good point that we can support those kind of efforts in different ways that we find to do service projects. And there are people within the academy who do that on their own, but welcome other people being involved. 
Yeah. I do know of a couple mission groups and I know that it's always an interesting topic for new grads and students. So I can link a couple at the bottom of our uh, recording mm-hmm. again, because I might've sparked some interest, but that's not mm-hmm. the total point of this episode. So right. in a future right. episode, we can chat about that. <laughs> okay, friends. So we're going to stop our conversation here for today. We know advocacy is such a big topic and one that most students and professionals struggle with. So because of this, we decided to have a part one and a part two of our conversation with Mary Jane, Maria, Cindy, and Sherry so that you all can have a chance to go back and listen and digest all the information you just heard. Um, A quick recap of what we talked about today. So we talked about, you know, making relationships not only with colleagues, but also with board members and um, your possible representatives and senators talked about how to sign up for the APTA's advocacy team emails to stay up to date. We touched on Medicare, talked a little bit on the current issues of pediatric advocacy, and um, we stressed the importance of attending conferences such as APTAC or CSM or House of Delegates. So we are going to be releasing part two of the advocacy podcast next Sunday. So stay tuned for more conversations about advocacy. Um, Just remember to check out the show notes as always for links to what we talked about in this episode. And um, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more about pediatric physical therapy as it relates to students and new professionals, Um, Go ahead and click the subscribe button, and if you're loving it even more, you can leave us a review. Till next time, friends.